Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. For the video version of the podcast, head on over to youtube.com slash vmcampos. And if you want to support the series, you can do so at patreon.com slash vmcampos. Get all my content a week early there for $3.33. What a deal. Now on with the show. Hey everyone, it's VM Campos Comic Book Fan. And welcome to the podcast where I review a comic book new or old from my collection and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. And then I tell you to get it or shred it. This week I'm reading The Fantastic Four versus The X-Men number 1, published in 1986 by Marvel Comics. Now a little behind-the-scenes info. First of all, this is issue number 1 of a four-part limited series that Marvel was doing in the 80s. I saw someone posting this series over on Reddit, and I was intrigued by the covers, so I had to get my own copy. Today I'm only going to review issue number 1, but at least I want to show you the covers. So... Check out these covers. They just are so WTH. Here's Reed Richards in Dr. Doom's outfit, gloating over his the dead body of Sue Richards. Franklin is weeping in the corner. Wolverine is showing up. You destroyed the Fantastic Four, Richards. Now I'll destroy you. It's like, what is going on in this book? Well, it gets worse or better in issue number two. What do we have? Wolverine now over the body of Reed Richards, all dead. Sue is still dead, and Franklin is even more despondent. Wolverine says, Your mother's been avenged, okay, kid? Damn, that's brutal. And then and then Dr. Doom hovering above there. All right, could it get any worse? Yeah, how about issue number three? Here we have, once again, Sue is dead. Reed is dead. Johnny is dead. Oh, yeah, and then uh, Ben Grimm is dead over there, too. Totally killed by vintage rogue. Everyone's been doomified, and they're all coming to kill Franklin. Now forget these recent venomized and carnageized covers. I want a doomified cover. And is this not the scariest thing to have a bloody clawed doom wolverine coming at you? And then the culmination issue number four. Brace yourselves. Everyone is completely dead, up on spikes, stabbed through the heart. Wolverine is dead. Storm is dead. Magneto is dead, back when he was a good guy in the 80s. And the Fantastic Four has been res- resurrected as zombies controlled by Franklin Richards, and he looks incredibly evil. Doom is completely defeated and cowering in the corner. Again, when I saw these covers on Reddit, I had to get my own copies of them and read the story like, what is going on in these books? As of this video, I've only read the first issue, and that's the one I'm going to review, and I can't wait to read the rest. What about you? Tell me in the comments. All right, so cover art. We've got John Bogdanov as penciler, Terry Austin as inker, and Glynis Oliver as colorist. And as I said a moment ago, it features a doomified Reed Richards gloating over the dead body of his wife, his son utterly despondent and Wolverine coming to avenge things. This is an amazing cover. I love it. It's just a classic 80s cover, very simply colored, just stark seas of pigment, no fancy gradients and the like, just a purple background, flames, the cold gray ground, and then the characters upon them. You really feel Franklin's despair at the sight of his dead mother. His shoes are laughable. 
but you really feel his despair and and Reed just gloating here in 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 a doom outfit. It really like what is going on in this book? I really need to read it. And I do have to say also, I wasn't reading comics at this time. I got into comics a year or so later in '87. So this was slightly before my time. I don't know what was going on at that time in the world of Fantastic Four, X Men. I was more of a Spider Man kid when I got into comics. So I never knew what happened in this. I don't know what was going on in all of the lives of the characters at that point. But you don't need much background information to just catch your attention. This cover just catches your attention. And then Wolverine coming in ready to kill you, claws popped and everything, intoning, you killed the Fantastic Four, Reed. Now I'll kill you. Obviously, that's what they wanted to say, but they had to write destroy. And yeah, this is an amazing cover. This is a five out of five cover. It's just amazing. The composition is relatively simple, but that's all you need. A crying child, a dead wife, and a killer about to get his. This is a five out of five. I love it. Interior art. It's by the same uh, the same creative team there. Bogdanov, Austin, Oliver, letterer is Tom Warzakowski. Now, I know uh, John Bogdanov more from uh, his work on... In the 90s, when he was working on uh, over at DC Comics, Man of Steel, and he was there during the death of Superman and uh, Funeral for a Friend and Reign of the Superman storyline, him and Louise Simonson over at Man of Steel. So I know his art a bit more from over there. Uh, so I kind of didn't really know that he was also doing work at Marvel. So I'll flip through these pages a little bit as I give you some of my thoughts. And so the interior art, it's cool 80s. Marvel style, it's very clean, no frills, no reliant on gradients, just good cartooning. There are some flashes of really nice cartoony aspects to the characters, some a bit more realistic, which I'm not as much of a fan of. I'm more of into the cartoony side of things. Sue looks very cartoony, very enjoyable there and there. And as you browse through the book, there's sort of that push and pull of that realism plus cartooniness. I personally lean more towards the cartooniness. That's a little bit more on the realistic side. And Bogdanov would lean more into the cartoony, I think, over in Man of Steel. See, here's another little bit of that cartooniness with long shot. As for how things were back during this time, this is a very thick comic in terms of every page is just chock full of stuff to see, stuff to read. They really gave you your bang for your buck back then, a dollar fifty in eighty-six. This was a lot. When I got into comics in eighty-seven, there were seventy-five cents. Spider-Man was seventy-five cents. And I remember the shock when it went to a dollar. So this limited series was a big old expense of a dollar fifty to find out what is what is happening in this storyline. So as we're seeing here, the art is really nice. And it's just just a tour de force of characters. Now we've got She-Hulk in the book. We had the Fantastic Four. We had the X-Men. Now we've got She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters. We've got action going on there as a building is collapsing. Uh, Magneto comes to save the day. And you might be forgiven uh, to wonder, who's that character over there? Well, that's Magneto in the 80s after the Trial of Magneto storyline. Yes, there was a version one of that. There's nothing new under the sun anymore. But anyway, during that first trial, so now he's a good guy at that point. And here he is kind of trying to help, although no one quite believes he's good. But he was a good guy at that time, kind of. Uh, here we have a little bit of fan service. She-Hulk losing her top, basically. And then we've got action going on, the torch coming in. So yeah, just looking at the page layouts and 
close-ups on characters, expressions are done very well. Here we have a night scene, so we've got the darker color palette. This is also some great interior art. This is a five out of five. I would lean more towards the creative team doing more the cartoony style than the realistic style. And I'm not fully up to date on Bogdanov's resume, so I don't know how early in his career this is, how many years he had under his belt, how many titles and the like. Uh, but I, as I said, in the 90s, the 92, 93 times around there, 91, uh, when the new Man of Steel series debuted over at DC Comics, I think he really got more to the cartoony side of things, which I really like. And there's just a lot of great line work throughout the book as well. Uh, thin lines juxtaposed with thicker lines, very simple coloring. There's a little gradient going on here, but everything is just a, a flat sea of color, which I like. It's so different than what we see nowadays because it's just gradient this and lens flare that. And on nice bright white paper, these colors just pop. This cover just pops. So yeah, interior art, five out of five. Plot. Okay, unfortunately, the plot is, I don't know what's going on here at all. You have this amazing cover that really doesn't follow through throughout the whole book. There is a part at the beginning, which is all a dream sequence or a premonition or something. Franklin Richards, who nowadays is known as one of the most powerful mutants in the world of Marvel Comics. He's an Omega-level mutant, I believe. He's having some premonition of everyone being dead. Here's She-Hulk all dead with green blood and Ben Grimm just sliced up and Sue is also dead. Here comes Wolverine saying, you needed to save Shadowcat and you couldn't and now everyone's dead. So yeah, I don't know what's going on in this plot and then suddenly Wolverine's dead too. So something about Reed's old book, but it was just a dream because he wakes up, but two sides of the same coin, we are one. Yeah, I don't know what's going on in, in, in the world of X-Men and Fantastic Four at this point, so I was kind of lost. And for a long time, comics, especially Marvel comics, the edict was every issue is someone's first issue. So if you jump into this, you don't really know what's going on. There's a lot of cool action and characters and scenery and art and such, but what is the plot? What is going on? Oh, and that book actually does exist in the real world. We found it in our house cleaning. But this is also the, the time when Sue and, and Richard were having big marital problems. There was the Marauders Massacre that happened, and people are regrouping over at Myra Moira McTaggart's island and Shadowcat is half dead and there's Psylocke before we got the sexy Psylocke of the 90s back when Rogue had a mohawk which was amazing and Longshot is their fan favorite there's Dazzler so it's a tour de force of a variety of characters and so forth but plot wise it's uh, it's it's a lot going on and I guess that's what you want you want on that first issue to have a lot going on to then catch your attention to buy issues two and three and four for a dollar fifty and read the whole thing. Then we got She-Hulk in here too, doing some legal stuff. So I think the plot kind of is all over the place. And if it's a standalone issue, it doesn't work. If it is part of the four issue limited series, you're gonna read everything and hopefully everything gets tied up by the end. And again, as of this recording, I haven't read the, the full four issues yet, just this first one. I'm gonna give the plot a three out of five. It's all over the place. Lots of characters, lots of things to look at, lots of things to figure out. And if you're not versed in what the uh, comics are at this time, uh, you're gonna be kind of lost. Because yeah, like what's going on with their marriage there? You know, mom, dad, don't fight, be superheroes. Put some clothes on She-Hulk. So I'll give the plot a three out of five. 
the enjoyability factor. However, this is a six out of five. I totally enjoyed the book. Seeing these vintage characters. It's funny when old timers talk about old comics, you know, they're talking about Bronze Age stuff and Silver Age stuff. When a youngster like me, a 45 years old, I talk about the old stuff, the vintage stuff, 80s stuff, 90s stuff. That's my vintage. Yeah, here we have Classic Storm with her mohawk. Did you know she had a mohawk back in the day? And that Magneto was a good guy for a little bit. Reed Richards was tormented with his genius, but making mistakes. And back when young Franklin Richards was figuring stuff out, I kind of like that sort of phasing in effect there. So it's a very enjoyable book because it's a time capsule of Marvel in 1986. Did you notice the trade dress of Marvel 25th anniversary? Back in 86, Marvel was making a big deal about their 25th anniversary, which they were counting since 1961. But nowadays we count from 1930-something with Marvel Comics number one of the 30s, late 30s. Back then they were counting Marvel as 1961 birth. But even by this time, Marvel had a deeper history than then, than that. So the enjoyability also because you can see these vintage ads. So here we have packs for fun for everyone. M&M's plain or peanut. A vintage M&M's ad. Check this out. Laser tag. I never had laser tag. That this was a game back in the day. This is hilarious. Since the game laser tag began way back in the year 1986, no one has ever equaled his record. Now this is taking place in the year 3010. And you can get in onto this ancient game laser tag so classic ads over here do you need do you have do you want muscles um here's a comic shop comic cade mile high comics this is interesting as seen on tv a spectacular offer 50 comic classics for only 14.95 that translates to some amount of money that i'll put on the screen here unless i got lazy but you get all of these amazing quote amazing comics for that price more ads of comics and miscellanea. How about genuine GI dog tags? Did you ever stop and think you have those dog tags because the soldier died? But anyway, comics, the Marvel Supermart. If you're over in Washington, D.C., visit the comic store Another World. Classic. Another one of these huge comic ads. Pause it here. Check out the values of these comics at that time. Okay, here's classic. Back when the Soggies were uh, vexing Captain Crunch, Spider-Man would jump in and save the day. Nowadays, you would call this an innuendo panel. Don't think about it. All right, the new universe was going on at this time. Marvel was kind of do their own another timeline of things that was happening in the real world, real superheroes and such. The real world with fantastic superheroes and such. And so here, uh, did you read these books and can you answer the quiz? Most people would be able to say no. Here's what the prices were for Marvel Comics subscriptions. 14 issues for $8.25. Amazing. Spoil sports will say that with inflation that actually is. Who cares? And at the very end, I remember these ads. These, these were amazing. So you've got this motorcycle helmet. Someone's in the need for speed. But it was advertising... Uh, the Yamaha DX100, nowadays still a valuable sought-after vintage synthesizer. Still a very striking ad all of these years later, I'd say. And at the back, we've got Gumby and Pokey and their affiliation with various Brock's candies. Those were the days. So enjoyability of the book, six out of five. And so should you get it or shred it? Obviously get it. 
and the following issues because you need to know what happens. You need to figure out what's up with these WTH covers. You need to know how does it all end. No spoilers. So definitely get it. And there you go. That was the Fantastic Four versus the X-Men number one, published in 1986 by Marvel Comics. What did you think? Was that story as WTF as I think it was? Did you read it back when it came out? Are you intrigued about it now? Do you want to see what happens on parts two, three, and four? Tell me about it in the comments. Are you interested in the video version of the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com slash vmcampos and unlock it a week early for $3.33. Or if you want to wait a week, no problem. It'll be available next week, but you'll be so late to the party if you do. I'm sure you've got three bucks under the couch that you can give old VM Campos. I would appreciate it. If you can't, enjoy the public version when it's available. I'll be back next time to talk about more comics from my collection. This has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club, and I'll see you next week.